Thanks for coming to hang out with us today. Ruck Up Buttercup is a podcast hosted by Deployed Love. We chat about real things that military families deal with and help you to love the call to action. So you know the drill. Ruck Up Buttercup! Ruck Up Buttercup podcast can be found on all your favorite streaming location. As well, we are now available on Reese Across America Radio on Fridays at 11 p.m. and Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find Reese Across America Radio on the iHeartRadio app, the Odyssey app, and the TuneIn app. Just search the word Re. Can't wait to see you there. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Ruck Up Buttercup. We are so glad you guys are here, and we are excited that the school year is starting and a lot of things are coming to a new year in our lives. Um, today, we are going to be talking about habits and positive mindset. I think that's a great time of year, especially if you're a mama or starting school yourself or anything like that. It's a good time of year to kind of reset from the, from the, you know, the beginning of the year, we set our goals. It's a good chance for us to kind of reset those goals and work towards continuing the year in a good footstep. Today, we have an amazing guest with us. We have Kimberly Gold. She is the CEO of the gold standard, right? So she builds community amongst military spouses and other people within the community to help everybody I mean, just continue forward in a great mindset as well. That's why she's here. So that's fantastic. I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce herself a little bit better than I can. So would you go ahead and do that? Yes, of course. Thank you for having me on Ruck Up Buttercup. This has literally been on my calendar for months. I have been so excited to record with you. And my name is Kimberly, and thank you for the warm introduction. I am many titles, but the title I'd like to hone in on today is Military Kid, military spouse and if I'm really honest with you I did the military spouse two times because you know everybody needs to start a marriage (laughs) (laughs) so you definitely have the experience I didn't realize that you were a military kid which is really cool because Ashley was also so you guys have a lot of things in common what is it that you do through your job that kind of helps connect the military community I do well one I believe community changes everything having been a military kid Um, My mom was actually the first Korean female chief warrant officer five. So shout out to the retirees, the active duty, the veterans, because my mom's military service changed the trajectory of my life. And I'm so, so thankful for that. But in regards to the things that I I do, I do a lot of nonprofit work. I serve on different boards, um, but military affiliated wise, one of the big things that I'm working on is I was accepted to be um, in the upcoming cohort for the 2023-2024 Colorado Governor's Fellowship. And on my application, one of the issues that I really said that I wanted to advocate for is military spouse unemployment and underemployment. Colorado Springs has five military bases. And we should have no reason that we don't have this huge pipeline of talented, willing military spouses who are gainfully employed in positions that have them very, very full off of their employment. No, absolutely. That is one of the like most saturated areas with military. I think that in Hawaii, I think, have so many military bases. And it, it does end up being a lot of military spouses don't have jobs, which is wild to think that that shouldn't be the biggest places for them to find jobs. Right. And we just recently, uh, Space Command is going, this is the permanent home of Space Command. So now we have a huge command here. So we're, we, we need to do better, like just period. Yeah. I love that you advocate for the military spouse community. I think that 
we've talked about it many, many times on our podcast over the years um, about just the struggle of being a military spouse and getting a job in general, um, because we do move every three years and there is prejudice, whether they say there is or not, uh, because of that. If that, if anything on your resume pops up that shows, hey, I'm a military spouse, sadly, that's like the first thing that even if you don't mention it in your application, they're going to notice and they're going to have something to say about it. There are places that are a little bit more flexible. I know that veterans tend to hire military and that's, I think that's fantastic. There's so many great places, especially in Colorado Springs. There's a lot of veteran owned companies that will like reach out and try to support the the military community too, but there's a lot that don't. Yeah. And I think the thing with, I think we're doing, we're starting to do a phenomenal job with using our veterans as a talent pool. Um, But I think the mistake that we're doing for that's a disgrace for military spouses is we are saying veterans and military spouses. Well, you can't put them in the same category when it comes to hiring talent pools because there's two different skill sets. One has an MOS, one doesn't last time I checked. So so you're putting these, these military spouses with veterans with all types of different MOSs or AFSCs or, you know, whatever specialty occupations. And then you have military spouses who often have a very diverse portfolio of work, right? So we can't narrow down and be like, we're specifically going to be signal intelligence. That's not how we've operated our lives as military spouses. So we really need a curated military spouse program for hiring. Yeah, as as a military spouse who who has had issues finding jobs because of, you know, moving every few years, you know, a lot of people are like, I don't even put that I'm a military spouse on like their resume or things like that. And um, I tried that route one time and got zero calls back because it showed that I wasn't consistent. And I had one I had one place finally call me and they're just like, Hey, like we, you know, you meet all of our requirements and, but we have to ask like, why, why do you have so many years? Like, why do you only have like two years at a location for each job? I'm like, well, unfortunately my husband's, you know, my husband's in the military and we move every so many years. So like, you know, it usually takes me six months to find a job. And then, you know, there's a few months at the end of the time when we're PCSing timeframe that I'm not working because I'm getting ready to move. And so that's why that that's two, two and a half year timeframe at a job. And I even lost a job. I think we talked about this on another podcast where I was let go because I was a military spouse because I, you know, was the only person that could take off when my child was sick and things like that. So it is definitely much more difficult and there's much more trials and more obstacles that military spouses have to jump across than our counterparts, I feel like, in the civilian sector. So, yeah, it, it can be really frustrating. I'm really fortunate now that I get to work from home and I can do that job anywhere. But that's that's not everybody. So I'm really excited to see that there's more people advocating for other people to have jobs and have that network. Oh, I'm like so fired up about it. And I know that's not what we came on here to talk about today, but I'm like super fired up about it. Um, but I am very thankful to um, organizations like Blue Star Families who who have like fully remote positions. They even have a fellowship program that I graduated from earlier this year um, to help build that pipeline of um, military spouse and veteran talent. But my cohort was all military spouses. There's Dog Tag Fellowship. That's another really cool um, resource. So 
things are growing. And I think we, that's why we have to keep talking about it because people don't know um, to create these programs until we share very openly about our struggles with unemployment and underemployment. Absolutely. Well, also speak with your other military spouses because there are so many great organizations out there that are solely out there to help military spouses. There's Insta teams, like you said, Blue Star Families, which is a great program. Um, there's hiring so our heroes. Well, yeah, but there's a lot of spouses that don't even know about these programs unless they stumble upon them on a post or another military spouse talks to them. So really, it's it's more as well as like trying to get that in front of more military spouses in a bigger platform and more a way that it's not, oh, we just stumbled upon it. Like there, it needs to be at a national level. Yeah. This is something that needs to be talked about and heard. It needs to be heard, not just by military spouses. It needs to be heard to the point that people are understanding that military spouses are someone they should hire, like something you want to put on your resume, because I have met the most amazing military spouses who have got a fantastic educations. They've had nothing but time to get educations, right? And they have experience volunteering because that's where they put in their hours. They have so much to offer and seeing it just like I think with veterans, seeing that on someone's resume should be like a gold star. Like, oh, this is someone we want on our team. They know how to work as a team. They know how to like be resilient in situations and they're not going to just quit because things get hard. We deal with it every day. I mean, just right. the problem solving skills that military spouses have based off of just like, oh, we got thrown with a deployment, rapid deployment, uh, which is very popular in the last few years. So like, you know, we can go from having one lifestyle and then doing a 360 in two hours and having a completely different lifestyle. There's no one, uh, nowhere else on earth any person can do that. Other than a military spouse. Military spouses are, don't excuse my language, bad ass. <laughs> we are. Absolutely. Um, and we should be looked be for because of that. Like instead of the right. other way around, we shouldn't be prejudiced against us because we have to change and life changes really quickly for us. No, it should be because we are resilient enough to handle those changes and still be amazing employees, be amazing leaders in the community. And I just wish that that was the case. I wish that was what was being heard and seen, not just to the military spouses that are high, like wanting to get jobs, but all these companies, especially in the military communities where they see us all the time, should be looking for these people that want to get the jobs. Absolutely. Have, have either one of you seen Oppenheimer? I haven't yet. My husband really wants to. <laughs> so I um, this this is not a spoiler um, in the movie, but there is a scene in the movie where they move to a remote location, right? So that they can, um, I mean, are there really spoilers in the movie? Because it's history. So you could yeah, just like. I don't think much, no. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so they move to this remote, remote location. There's security clearances are required, blah, blah, blah. And the, the general that Matt Damon's character plays goes to a site visit and is speaking to Oppenheimer and there's a, a woman working and he's like, who is this? And he's like, oh, that's so-and-so. She's the spouse of so-and-so. And he's like, we've hired all of the spouses in different capacities on this so that we can run more efficiently and we don't have to bring waste time bringing in people. And I was like, that, exactly that, exactly that. So <laughs> I remember the day when we lived overseas and and I don't know if they still do this 
nowadays or not, but I'm, I'm, I vividly remember it more when we lived overseas, but they would hire spouses to be like the secretaries. And now, now I feel like a lot of it is filled by green suitors now. Like it's more, more military fill those, those spots. But I remember having like, oh, like so-and-so spouse is overworking at this department as their secretary and so-and-so spouse is over there. But I don't see that anymore. Like it's, it's, you only see, you see that more so like with the, the GS jobs and things like that. But I feel like a lot of those jobs that were available to spouses are now like an MOS. So now there are people filling those in as an MOS. And so I feel like, and that was way back. That was like 25 years ago that I like remember seeing those things. And I don't think that's the case nowadays. Which yeah, is kind of I don't sad. think I've ever seen that really, no. Yeah, no, I see overseas that we um we we pull the volunteer card all the time, over and over again. And and I'm guilty. I was working overseas um as a program manager and my entire team was volunteers and they they worked like 40 hours a week as volunteers. And it was a valuable employment experience. And um, but the more they were with me, the more I was like, terrible because they're not getting paid and they're like putting out quality work and they should be paid but but that's we we've relied on military spouses to fall into volunteerism um which can be a great launch pad but i think we rely on it far too much we need to pay military spouses for the work they do yeah i agree i mean obviously over the last few years we we Ashley and I have ran Deployed Love, which is our nonprofit for years now. And it's been volunteer, completely volunteer ran. And it is completely ran by t- military spouses. And it's great because it brings our community together and we're able to reach military spouses really easily that way because we are one of the same, right? But it does suck that the time it took to found the company and things like that is so much work. <laughs> like firsthand, just so much work. And just the thought that like, just because we would have to find people to pay us. I mean, it's not just, we are a nonprofit. You have to have enough money, not only to run the nonprofit, but if you want to pay those people, it takes a lot of, a lot <laughs> to do that. And it's just, it, it is great experience. It's something that I'm really grateful that I was part of and everything, but yeah, it would have been nice to get paid. It's, it's you're doing the work. It's, it's hard to volunteer. And especially living here now, I am in, in Germany right now. And just the thought of like, I can't really get a job here. I could, there's a few positions on both posts, but I have kids and it's just schedule wise, not really super reliable. And I also don't, I mean, I don't really want to work at Dunkin' Donuts. That's not my idea. And if that's the only positions that are available kind of thing. And so if I were to get involved here again, it's of course going to be volunteering and that's, it's great. And it's extents, like you were saying, like it does, it can build you up, but it's not make all right like that shouldn't be where we have to be stopped at and that's kind of where it feels like it goes it's definitely a double-edged sword um I tell any military spouse who will listen if you're going to volunteer that's fantastic but if you're volunteering for the purpose of resume building employment experience you must be very strategic and you must be in control of your volunteerism not somebody else and you have to like advocate for yourself like crazy to make sure that they don't like just box you into like oh no can you just make copies and and pass out coffee like no (laughs) right make sure you're getting the right experience to go towards what your yeah like your career that definitely makes a lot of sense well yes as you can see we are all very passionate about that we've talked about this so many times I think it, it 
a lot of our conversations lead back to that because we've all dealt with it. We've all had to deal with being that military spouse and knowing what it feels like to try to apply for jobs that you just aren't going to get. And that's, that's rough. And so I think getting that out anytime that we can get that word out to people is super important. (laughs) So we can kind of change back to where the episode was supposed to be going and we can talk about you know, resetting for the new year or the rest of the year. Um, I know the rest of the year comes with a lot of stress. (laughs) For me, it's already started. My kids started school last week, so it's been already stressful. And it is hard to keep a positive mindset and continue on like your normal habits when the school season starts up again, when you're back to like holidays coming around really quickly. So anybody Uh, have some great ideas? (laughs) Well, I have great ideas, but like the stress level, like I forgot how stressful this time of year can actually be until I PCS again. And now I'm just kind of like, oh no, like I now have to go through all the paperwork to get the school, like kids enrolled in school and we moved two weeks before school starts. So it's just very chaotic. And there's so many things that you have to do that you just don't think about doing it until you're like, oh, it's last minute and I have to do, now I have to find a doctor's office and I have to do all these things. Yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> to say the least. I'm really thankful. I've been here in Colorado Springs for two years now and uh, we had a high school sophomore who just started school on August 7th. So we were able to get stabilization and I think that's something that every family who has a high schooler and is really looking for that stabilization should apply for. So, so this year for, for me, the school year is, um, is a reset because the summer was fun and chaotic and crazy. Um, but fortunately it's like, you know, kind of like remembering old habits and re- reinstating those. I, um, I am one of those parents who believes in getting your kids even though I have a 15 year old, getting your kid to go to sleep, practice going to sleep earlier. <laughs> so that's one of the habits that I was like, okay, kiddo, it's in the summer. We've had a crazy schedule. We've just done whatever, but you've got a few days before school starts and we need to get in the habit of better sleep hygiene um, because our summer habits are terrible. Yeah, I gotta say mine is pretty bad. I've been trying to get back to getting up at six, mostly because my husband is switching to day shift again. So he'll be getting up and like leaving for work at 430. So I'm like, I should be sacrificing a little bit and getting up earlier. We homeschool. So like the desire and need to get up early isn't there because we don't have to. (laughs) But uh, sleeping as a habit is so important. Uh, especially I'm on like a fitness, like trying to get in good shape. I know that I'm not going to get anywhere if I don't sleep, right? Sleep is very important habit. And um, I don't have a teenager yet, but she is this close. She is 11 and she (laughs) acts like one and thinks she needs to stay up till like 11 o'clock at night. And you're like, I get that you don't have to wake up, but you need to sleep. Right, right. And, and I, I miss, don't you miss that youthful energy? Like when you're just up, you're up and you've got like this abundance of energy. I don't have it. So I want my kiddo to do better with, with sleep hygiene, but it's at the point where you like, you know, with your kids, you have to show them better than you tell them. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so for me, the things that I'm working on myself is, um, I plug my phone up upstairs in my office and I plug it up 
I try to keep it plugged up whenever I'm at home. So it's not a habit of being on it because I've noticed that my kid is on the phone a lot. And I'm like, well, let me evaluate how much I'm on the phone and how much I'm carrying my phone around me. So that's a habit that I've adopted is, is having my phone plugged up upstairs. So it's very intentional when I need to go grab it. Um, I try to stop using my phone at eight o'clock at night so that it's like no screen time. And I really try to implement no screen time. Like I do not do any screens, whether it's TV, my phone. Um, and it's hard because I just, when I tur- put the plug the phone up, I just want to go turn on TV and turn on Netflix. And I'm like, oh no, we're being intentional. Don't do it. But it's, it's tough. That's definitely something I need to do. Like my kids are really, I'm really strict on them about like, oh, you get like one hour of free screen time each a day. Like we're really strict about it. And then I catch myself on it all day long. And I'm like, man, why, why should I make rules for them that I don't follow? And it's something that I wish, I don't know. I know that it's just something that like helps me manage my stress to have that. And I'm also just a big researcher. So like when something comes to my mind, I need access to like ask Google what the question is and stuff. So I definitely am on mine far more than I need to be. And I wish I could get to the point where, especially at night, I just don't even have it on or near me because that's when I regret it the most is when I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been on TikTok until midnight tonight. Like this is awful. (laughs) And why is it when we we lay down, that's when all these crazy, like, you're like, how many legs does a spider have? (laughs) Why am I thinking about this right now? (laughs) So in our town, there's been this green laser because this big um, place out here behind our house is a laser company and they're celebrating a hundred years or something like that. So they've been shooting this bright green laser up, but with all the talk of aliens, all I think about every night before I go to bed, cause I can see it is aliens. And I'm sitting there just thinking like those stupid alien things ever. And I'm like, Oh, I wish I could just go to sleep. <laughs> so I work on my phone. So I have my phone on me almost all day long, but I actually started um, cause trying to read on my phone, but I found myself like toggling back and forth between like social media and TikTok. So I got a Kindle and uh, I like now I'm not on my phone as much. Like now I'm not like, oh, I, I'm going to read while I'm in bed, but then You're I actually end not. up on TikTok. Yeah. So right. like, I'm actually reading. And so like last month I read eight, nine books, which is like double the amount triple the amount of normally what I normally can read like one or two maybe three if I'm doing audible books not a lot and I was like first off how did I read this many in the middle of PCSing that was like my first question I was like well it's because I wasn't on TikTok all night long so um so I was like oh I really enjoyed that like one little switch was like okay I'm putting my phone away and I'll I have a screen but it's just my book so I can still read it in the dark but yeah, that's a habit. Yeah. I wish I also work for my phone because I do a lot of like marketing for people. And so it's, it is hard to like make sure the posts are going up and all this stuff if I'm not on my phone, but I need to figure out like a schedule, like, Hey, we'll take a break at this time and this time to make sure those things go up or something, because that can just ruin your whole day. Like you could get nothing done if you just zone into your phone for hours and it just goes, you don't even know where that time goes. Cause you're like, Oh, TikToks are 30 seconds. I'll listen to five what <laughs> two hours later, later. <laughs> two hours later yeah it's such a bad <laughs> habit I don't know I'm with you Sabrina on working on healthier habits for myself I have struggled with my weight for as long as I can remember like since since I think I think the first memory I have of struggling with my weight is like 
10 or 11 years old. And, you know, as I'm getting older, the struggle is not getting easier. It's getting harder. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, we need to do something different. And I went to um, the, the doctor and they're like, well, maybe we should do bariatric surgery. And I'm like, well, that's a big jump. I mean, yes, I thank you for letting me on qualify for it. However, comma, like that's not, right, that's not really what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I did, and I actually did like, they, they have like some um, appointments and stuff that you have to go to. And I did start the process. And in the end I was like, you know, this is not what I'm really interested in um, because I need to get to the root of my problem of why I deal with why I struggle so much with my weight, why I struggle with food and exercise. So one of the things that I'm incorporating as part of my habits that I've really just recently started doing in the last three to four weeks is I do see my therapist, which TRICARE covers, um, but we are specifically talking about um, food and exercise and the different memories and traumas that I have associated with that. So this once a week habit is really helpful because I know that if I'm having a spiraling moment where I want to turn to food, I can, I have this, I have this book on the calendar already where I'm like, I can redirect and be like, okay, you're talking to your paid best friend in two days, Kimberly, like you, you can put a pause on it. And um, the one thing that I have done that is that it's out of pocket is I've hired a functional health coach and this coach um, is also just been over the last few weeks, but it's been really crazy um, to see how it works because he's like, you know, we're working as a team with your therapist and you and me, your spouse, your family, so that we can help you build healthier habits. The goal is not a number on the scale. The goal is not a size of clothing. The goal is healthier habits because these healthier habits yield those outcomes. And um, it's been so interesting because he's like, okay, this week, all we're working on when you wake up, because, you know, most of us, if we're fortunate enough, we do wake up. The waking up is a habit. Mm -hmm. Let's pair the habit of waking up with immediately drinking 16 ounces of water. So have that cup of water, have that bottle of water right by your nightstand every day before you go to bed. And it's it's been really interesting to work on these like micro habits to affect change. And um, it's exciting. It is interesting how much of your physical health is interrelated to your mental health, <laughs> like how much you cannot train yourself out of it. You have to, there's so much in your brain, not just like with food addiction or anything like that, but just like the concept of the mental power to eat healthy, the mental power to get to the gym. Like that is the struggle. It's not the struggle. Once you're in the gym for me, anyways, it's not the lifting of the weights. It's not the physical aspect of it. It's so much in my brain of getting there. I'm just like, nah, yeah. I'll be okay without it today. I don't need that. Or it's just one cupcake at the birthday party. You know, it's like, you're immediately just letting yourself break the promise to yourself. And that sucks so bad, but it's, it's such a mental game. It really is. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. I, that's my biggest thing is the biggest thing that's helped me though, was getting past, like I'm stronger than needing to have sugar and alcohol and stuff like that. I don't need that. Like summer is the biggest want of that, right? Like want ice cream, you want to go drinking with your friends. And like, especially here in Germany, the, all the like beer gardens are open. Everybody wants to go sit outside and have a beer or wine. And I haven't done it all summer. And it's crazy to think that because it's like, that has helped my mental clarity as well. Not having the sugar and dyes and all that stuff in my body 
makes me feel a lot smarter on the other end of it. So it's like your mental health makes you help your physical health, which brings back to helping your mental health, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's all connected. And, and you know, I've also had to learn in, in evaluating. So, you know, your brain builds these routines, right? And in my head, the narrative was when we go out to eat, it's a treat. So therefore, you should order whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And that was my my brain's routing all the time. Because when we were, when I was younger, my mom um, was a caregiver, military member for many, many people, right? So she was, uh, uh, I remember at one time, she was a staff sergeant, E6 in the US Army. And she was the primary care, care uh, no, excuse me, primary breadwinner. And there was myself, my little brother, my grandmother, my grandfather, my great grandmother, and my former stepdad, and my mom. So there's, there's seven of us living off of one income, right? So going out to eat was a treat. And, but now fast forward to modern day and going out is no longer the treat. The treat is, I don't have to cook or clean. That's the treat, Mm -hmm. but it's un, you have, I have to break this routine, this habit that my brain has said, going out to eat is a treat. No, sis, going out to eat is not the treat. Going out to eat, the treat is no cleanup, no cooking. And um, it's really hard unlearning some of these bad habits, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. That's definitely same as my family. Like we were, you know, I, we talk to my kids all the time, how spoiled they are about the things they get to go out to eat all the time, right? Like we get to go to McDonald's and we were so excited and like looking now, I'm like, McDonald's. I don't even want to eat McDonald's. You couldn't pay me to do that. Like, but my kids are like, can we get sushi again? Like, what is that life? <laughs> but yeah. And then I do find myself doing that the same as you, like where I'm like, oh, well, we might as well get dessert. We're here and they have really good dessert. But it's like, yeah. would I have eaten that at home? There's not a chance. No way would I be getting cake at eight o'clock at night. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And then the other habit that I'm breaking is um, I'm a social drinker. And when you say that, that sounds really like, oh, you don't drink that often. But when you have a social event four to five times out the week, you're an alcoholic. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, Kimberly, you're not a social drinker. Um, you have to pick and choose the social events you're going to drink at. You cannot, you cannot say, oh, I'll just have a drink or two at every event that I go to. Because Maybe 20 years ago, you went to one event a week, but that's not your life now. So I think a lot of times in in habit building, um, it's also habit breaking um, because you have to really analyze where you are in your life at that moment. And I, I think we're so busy that we don't take, we don't reflect. Yeah. Habit, you, you build those habits over time. It's the same thing as like when you gain weight, like you didn't gain that weight in three days, you're not going to lose it going to the gym three days in a row. And same with habits. Like if you're getting to the habit of getting dessert, every time you go out to eat, that it's just registered. It's there. It's something that you do now. Those habits are so much easier to make, right. Than the healthy ones. So it's like, you have to figure out why that is a habit before you're going to be able to ever get out of the habit of doing it. Um, I know there's lots of habits. My habit is setting unrealistic expectations of myself. Um, I have recently kind of, I haven't been diagnosed, but very aware that I have ADHD, if not on the more autism side and have realized that it sucks how much I set expectations for myself that I'm never going to reach. Like setting these, you know, you see these people, these beautiful 
morning routines, these beautiful evening routines, that's never going to be me. And it's, that is a habit of itself is like, oh, well, I've already missed that routine. I'm just done for the day. I'm going to sit on the couch in my pajamas or I'm never going to have an evening routine. So I might as well bring my phone to bed. Like a lot of that just comes from letting myself feeling like I'm letting myself down. But now it's like knowing, no, I need to figure out routines that work for me, not what I see on the internet, not the people who are posting their ideal routines, because that's, that's not how my brain works. And that it's never going to. And I think that, um, oh my gosh, I love the internet because obviously we wouldn't be able to record this podcast without it. We're able to build community in new and innovative ways, but also I hate the internet because it makes you automatically do this comparison and this comparison Mm -hmm. is the thief of joy right like my life is not your life your life is not Ashley's life and all every other way that you can connect that but we automatically do that and for me I know the I I'm notorious for diet start on Monday right So if diets start on Monday and I'm like, okay, Kimberly, you're going to start this Monday and you're going to do all the things. And then I mess up one of those things. I'm like, well, I've blown it. Let's just start again next Monday. Why? I have six whole days that I could try again over and over and over again. Um, But yeah, I'm super guilty of that. Yeah. My morning routine is definitely my worst spot, I think, because it's like, oh, well, I should be getting up early. I need to work out. I need a journal. I need to drink my coffee before my kids are awake, da, 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 da. And then it is because I'm homeschooling that, that is never going to be realistic anyways. Like, why should I, I shouldn't be forcing myself to get up absolutely early just to get a workout in. I have plenty of time during the day. Like I need to like adjust my expectations to like what my life looks like. It doesn't look like everybody else's life. Like you're saying, like, that's going to look different. And it is really hard to see that on social media and to like pull yourself away from it because it becomes something that looks so nice. It feels so nice. They are obviously really healthy, but I don't know their health story. They might just be naturally skinny, right? Like that doesn't mean that they did it because they have these great routines and it, that's such a hard place. And I'm sure a lot of people do that. They like set these expectations of I'm going to do this. Like you're saying Monday morning, this is it. And then what, how do you make yourself feel like crap about it? It, it sucks to make yourself I, feel like I that when you for that too. Like, Oh, I'm going to start Monday. And then like a week later, Oh, I'll just go next week and be like four days a week at the gym go one day and then the next day don't make it then it's another week so yeah it's uh, figuring out those ways to get out of like I'm a lot like Sabrina like I put unrealistic expectations on myself and like I'm gonna do this but then I'm like I have so much stuff to do that that just doesn't fit in my lifestyle right now maybe a few months down the road it will but like at this moment you have to set those goals for right now Like, I feel like if you are looking at what another person's doing, like Sabrina was saying, or looking at it, like, I really want to do this, but like, it doesn't fit into, you know, I want to go to the gym every morning. Well, every morning I have to go drop the kids off at school and I have to drive 20 minutes to go to work or whatever, whatever it may be. That just doesn't fit. Yeah. And it'd be so nice to be like, oh, we can just package up our lives so nicely and boom, boom, boom. Plan A works for everybody, but it just, it just doesn't. I've, I've, I've learned to give myself a lot more grace and, and understand that, especially as military lifestyle, 
are, you can be at the same installation and your life changes because your partner is gone, right? So Mm -hmm. you have to constantly reset what is normal, reset your routine. And, um, and I've, I've learned just to be way more nicer to myself because, you know, if I talk to you, Sabrina, or if I talk to you, Ashley, and you say like, oh, my husband's out of town, I haven't been able to work out in a week. And I'm going to be like, well, sis, your husband's out of town, you can't work out for a week. Like, like, you've got you've got so much more on your plate that you're 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 juggling you should be nice to yourself and that's what I would say to you but then to myself I'm like oh my gosh you're just so lazy you're the worst person ever and I'm like okay Kimberly you've got to work on that inner narrative you've got to work on that inner voice right and that that's that whole like positive mindset it's not just habits it's also learning to find what makes you happy in those moments because like I've learned that in this last few weeks I can't fit workouts in. Like sometimes I just, I'd rather read. I know myself. And so when the kids ask me to go to the park, there's this huge set of stairs. So now that's my workout. When I go, I'm like, let's see how far I can run today. I set the goal of like, I'm going to be able to run to the top of this by the end of fall. Like that's awesome. So there's my workout fitting into what it's already my life. Like without having to like set aside a time, like, no, we're already going to the park so I can get that part of my workout in. And I think that's how you have to kind of just adjust to that and set goals and stuff that'll fit with your life, not something that you have to fit into your life. Right. Like I'm always saying, find the silver lining. And, and I think that's, you know, just my way of reminding myself, like, regardless of what's going on, you find purpose and joy and fulfillment in that moment. And um, it's useful because I've moved a lot and I don't, think <laughs> I don't think if I thought any other way um, I think it would be it would be really hard to make that transition and find your new routines and new habits without that positive mindset like um, one of my girlfriends she um, she's so good she if something happens she's like you know what I'm giving myself two hours to feel crappy about this and I'm going to set a timer. And she's like, when those two hours are done, I'm going to stop moping and I'm going to find a solution. And like, that is so awesome to validate your, your emotions, but move forward. Like, because we don't need to be um, toxic, positive, right? Toxic positivity. Uh, we need to acknowledge and move forward. I love people who are like that. And then they, they find everything, they can find something good in everything. Like I'm very big about catastrophizing. <laughs> like I just know that's part of my mental, that's just me. But like, oh my gosh, if something goes bad then the rest of the day is spiraling out of control. And I would love to find that in myself to be like, eh, that sucked, but the rest of the day is still fine. But uh. <laughs> I try to be that person, but I definitely know that I, there are certain situations where I will go off the deep end on, on the complaining on like this is not what I want to do but I try to find the silver line okay you know dad rapidly deployed this really sucks you know what we're gonna do all of these things while he's gone to kind of like fill our time type of thing so we find that silver lining which is funny I do think I find that more as a military mom like being the mom I do bring that silver lining to my kids like and immediately like when they start having a throwing having a meltdown I know how to help them regulate I know how to like hey we're it's okay to be upset about this but look this is what we're doing the rest of the day you need to adjust so that we can have a good time the rest of the day and I do that for them and like you were saying Kim like having that talking to yourself that would be the way that we need to talk to ourselves and oh if only that was so easy right 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's a lot easier to go into that mom mode in those type of situations than it is when it's like just an issue that you're dealing with. Because I think for those issues, I tend to be more spirally than I am with my kids. Mm -hmm. You know what book really helped me last year um, with kind of hyping myself up was um, Mel Robbins, I believe her name is, The High Five Habit. And it was so silly when I actually listened to the book on Audible, but it's so silly. But she's like, every morning you wake up, you look in the mirror and she's like, instead of just looking in the mirror, she's like, high five yourself in the mirror. And she she really, in the book, it goes through a lot of positive mindset stuff, but um, it's so weird because it's like, there's like a little like, like happy burst when you high five yourself like no matter how tired you are when I find myself like literally high fiving myself the first like five times I felt crazy and I was like (laughs) I am crazy but I feel crazy crazy doing this but now I like high five myself and it's just kind of like you go girl and it's such a cool way to start the day I love that I'm gonna have to add that one to my list I've read her it's at the three second rule or something like that like you have three seconds to make the decision, like stop procrastinating mm-hmm. on making decisions that I love her books. Like she really, she speaks to the women, I think is really like, cause there's so many like self-help books that are men wrote and I've read some of them, but it just never really like clicks with me. And it, it's nice. Mel Robbins is amazing because she does, she gets what we're going through in our minds. Like our minds are going constantly, right? Like we're always thinking of things and she was like, no, 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 no. Don't over-evaluate. You got three seconds, make the decision and do what you want to do. So she's great. Yeah, she is. I I really, I, I'm like, she's my mentor. She doesn't know it, but she's my mentor. <laughs> right. I would love to meet her and talk to her. She's fantastic. Uh, definitely recommend any of her books. <laughs> like a, a Mel Robbins, Mill Spouse Empowerment something conference or something. Oh yeah, let's do it. <laughs> how kick-ass would that be that would be so great and like especially if you put it together with something like mental health and like the concept of you know we've talked about doing retreats through to play love it's it's, that's a lot of work to put together it really is Mm -hmm. and so we've talked about like you know where that goes along with yoga and I don't know maybe a great comedian that we all know that's a military spouse recently (laughs) like and just bringing (laughs) together all of us that want our military community to be so important we want each other we got to be there for each other. And I think there's a lot of military spouses who don't join the military side of the community. And like that, that's a shame because we are the biggest support system for one another. Every single one of us is. Yeah. Yeah, And I think, I think unfortunately um, with, you know, there, there's a lot of great things happening on social media, but as a military spouse, I see a lot of tearing each other down in military spouse groups, um, especially like the younger spouses who, we just don't know, right? And so social media, I'm I'm almost 40. So, you know, the way that I was raised to inquire about information and the way that somebody 20 years old is was raised to inquire about information is totally different. I wasn't, you know, the 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 younger folks, their first avenue was, hey, let's go online to look for a resource, you know? And so they go on these groups and they ask these questions. And then for more seasoned spouses, they're like, how would you ask that question? And it's like, no, don't be like that. Like, we've all been there once. It's just a different, a different way of learning. And I really wish we would do better about cultivating each other in these online forums. So that way, in real life, 
younger spouses, all spouses could feel more connected to each other as a military spouse community. Yeah, I do think that's why a lot of the younger spouses don't attend things like that, Bargy, and they don't come to a lot of the, I mean, the, a lot of the events that we host for Deployed Love, it is our age range, you know, mid thirties and up um, that do attend things. And I think that it probably could be that <laughs> it is sad to see some of that bullying that goes on and it goes on even in person sometimes if it comes through FRG stuff, because it's been there. I'm I'm sure that's been there since the age of time, right? Like there's been the, the officers, spouses and stuff like where they're, they're older and they think they know more and that maybe they do. I mean, I do know that I know more than I did when I got in, but it just depends on what you do with that knowledge also. Yeah, I I definitely think that the social media like Facebook and stuff has also given everyone just a platform to kind of be bullies when they really just have nothing better to do. So um, like Kimberly was saying, we need to do better as military spouses, yeah. uplifting each other and not tearing each other down uh, just because you have nothing better to do. Yeah, and I think that's like, you know, the positive mindset, like, try to stay positive. And when it comes to my interactions with people, I try really hard to um, assume the best, even when it doesn't feel like it, I want to assume the best. And I think for my own sanity, that's, that's really helpful. um, Because I'm not going to be tied up into thinking like, I can't believe this person said that to me, that was so rude, blah, 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 blah. But if I just assume the best, then you know what, maybe Sabrina really had a bad day. And maybe Sabrina's projecting right now. So let me maybe just ask her if she's okay. And instead of feeling woe is me, um, just really flipping that with a positive mindset. Yeah. And I think that's what needs to happen more in that community is like a lot of people just take things as what they read. And you can't, I mean, you really just can't read what people are writing. You don't know the person if you don't, especially if you don't know them personally, like what they're writing, that just may be sarcasm. It may be like whatever. That's how they speak to people. And so people get really offended and butthurt about things that it's like, well, they weren't really trying to offend anybody. They were genuinely asking a question and it may have came off not how you're used to communicating with someone, but maybe that's how they are used to communicating and they genuinely needed an answer for what they were doing. Yep. Because we all speak from our personal experiences. We're the main character in our stories. So that's what we always focus on. But I really think we need to to shift that and be like, we share this beautiful world with almost 8 billion other people. So let's we all try to see through stories. their lens. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one will know yeah. what you're going through. They never can. I mean, even your spouse who's with you every day isn't going to know exactly what you're going through. So you have to be so flexible because people come from different countries. That's the great thing about like the military community. We're living in different countries. We've been from different states. We are from different cultures, entirely different cultures. And that's what makes us awesome. Like it makes it so cool because my kids are learning things from other people that they wouldn't learn just in a small town where my family's from. Like they're not going to learn that kind of stuff. And so it makes it difficult. It makes it harder for us to work as a community sometimes, but it also makes us a strong community. It makes us really cool because we can bring things to the table that a lot of places don't get. Right. We have so many different viewpoints and those viewpoints make us 100% stronger um, if we're willing to if we're willing to see beyond our own experiences. And um, and I definitely see that happening. Um, my favorite communities to be a part of are military communities because I feel like even, you know, you have to take the good with the bad, right? But overwhelmingly, um, military spouses, 
peer-to-peer military, retired veterans, all, any military veteran connection, it seems like we just do such an amazing job of standing up for one another and, and really gelling together when, when the tough, when there's tough times, I feel like there's no other community that supports like military communities. And um, for that, I'm always going to advocate. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, we talked about that a lot. Like, I would never give this up. And I am so glad to have this in my life. Like, I can't imagine how empty a life would feel without knowing that I have a whole massive community. I mean, from veterans, retired, like there are so many people that if I asked for help from the military community, I absolutely know would help me. They're there. Yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't even have to know me and just be like, hey, I'm part of the community. I need this. Where can I find it? Someone is going to help me find it. And I think volunteering for a nonprofit organization within the military community is what brought me that realization super heavily. Like, all we have to do is ask. It's not like, you know, not financially, but like asking for people to come on the show, asking for people to come help run an event. And do you know how often we hear no? Like never. Like people are very willing to support one another. And that's so cool. It, it, it really is. I have um, this a great example of I have a friend who's stationed in Okinawa and she posted how I guess the commissary is not going to carry a certain item anymore. And she was super bummed about it. And I mean, in minutes, people were like, what's your address? I'll send you a supply. And I mean, that's the power because people know how that feels to be assigned somewhere and you can't get your in my case it was Sadie Salsa I love Sadie Salsa (laughs) (laughs) and people know what that they know what that feels like and they're willing to fill the need and fill the gap for you right away yeah it's amazing I think that alone should make you feel positive right just that there is always that glowing community around you it may feel really lonely when you do PCS it may feel really lonely as you go into retirement I'm sure that's one of the hardest and I mean that's what we're talking about next episode is retirement but like feeling like you're losing your community in that retirement zone is hard, but you're not going to lose it. I, I've, we've come out the other end. My husband has gotten out of the active duty and we've come out the other end and we are still so completely actively involved. So. Yeah. See that that's kind of like, that was kind of my worry about this PCS move because we're not near a military installation. So I was just like, you know, I struggled really, really badly when we were recruiting duty in Dallas and I'm so nasally guys. I'm really sorry. I have a cold, but, um, we just PCS to Virginia tech in Blacksburg, Virginia, and there's not a military community. There's not military spouse organizations. And so I've been kind of like, you know, trying to just, you know, we've only been here for a couple of weeks, so I still have to get my feet wet, but you know, how do I go about that? Thankfully I'm still very connected to deployed love. So I still have that military connection, but you know, figuring out how I can get more involved in my local area with like the veterans group. I, you know, I was like, Oh, there's the, you know, VFW, like, you know, finding those different places. Um, you know, I know Virginia tech has a very big ROTC program. So maybe mentoring some of the kids, you know, our future leaders of America to make sure that they involve military families and their planning and things like that. So, um, but it is different, like not having that like support, like, oh, I can go to the USO meeting or I can go to the deployed love meeting or I can go to one of the various things happening on base. So 
I I definitely think that it's growing up military, then going into a space where military families are not that common, then going back into military, I can definitely say from experience that it is one of the best groups of people that you're going to know. And they will always be there for you. Because I see people like my in-laws are retired and they live in South Carolina and they are, uh, they volunteer almost every weekend to do something with veterans, whether it's fundraising to build a house for a veteran, whether it's building a house for a veteran, they're doing something. And so they're still finding their ways to connect and heat um, and they've been retired for almost 10 years. It's still yeah. finding a way to, I think it's because the military has such a need, right? There's always going to be a need um, for veterans, for the military community, for military spouses, somewhere that you can advocate for the military community from any place that you go, whether you do that yeah. virtually, whether you do that at the VFW, like you were saying, there's always a need. There's never not going to be one because that's just what comes along with the job. So you just have to find it. You just have to reach out to it, especially as you like disconnect from the community. If you're retiring and stuff like that, you're just going to have to figure out where you fit in that space still, because it's going to be different. It's going to be a transition and change somewhere different, but it's, it's still there. <laughs> They're never going to go away. My dad has been out. So he only did like one tour in, but he still goes to things at the VFW and stuff like that. So like, it's still there and it's not something you're ever going to want to get rid of either. I don't think, I think it's something that once you've been part of it, it's hard to find a different community that's going to be as supportive as the military community. Wow. This has been awesome. I wanted to, we always go at the end, especially with military spouses when we have you on, is to get your, what would be your best advice for a new military spouse and one that is more of a seasoned and been in for a while spouse? A new military spouse, I would say, um, to just dive in like this is an opportunity to to reinvent yourself to learn more um just have the most flexibility and just learn all the things you get to you get to learn something new at each duty station you get to learn something new with each deployment and to take advantage of that um and to to make sure that you're still investing in yourself don't be consumed with being so-and-so's wife or so-and-so's mom. I think those would be my my two biggest pieces of advice to new military spouses. Um, to seasoned military spouses, um, the the transition, as, as both of you alluded to, is, is not necessarily easy when you transition from military life to civilian life. And granted, military spouses are always civilians, right? But but when you go from this large military network that you've created to another stage, whether it's retirement or ETSing, then um, you have to give yourself a lot of grace. And you also have to have that same flexibility um, to, to reinvent yourself and to really define the things that you want moving forward um, without the same network that you've been used to having. Um, and to embrace that, just to, to really embrace it. And I think at the end of the day, um, both new seasons, spouses, in between, it's embrace all the opportunities that you have because every day that you wake up is another day to create something special. 
Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It is just, you have to stay positive. I think as a military spouse, the longer we're in the career, it's, you just kind of separate yourself, I think a little bit from the military community, because you're like, A, we're transitioning, like we just mentioned, or I've been here, I've done it so many times, like, I don't want to restart and reset. And it, it gets hard. It gets harder every, I think every single time we move to try to restart a community and restart finding your friends and your, your jobs. And, but eventually it ends in that you have to look to that idea that things are going to eventually be a point where your spouse is home and things are going to stay stable. You're going to have a house, your kids are going to grow up and move out. Like it will get there and just to hold on for the last ride of it, I guess. So, yeah. I mean, that's just military life and we all go through the things. So thank you so much for coming on, Kim. It has been really, really great talking to you. I I definitely will be reaching out to you to talk to you a little bit more about how we can help advocate for military spouses and jobs because that's it is significant and it is something that needs to be talked about more. So that would be fantastic. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Sabrina. Thank you, Ashley. And thank you, Rucka Buttercup. All right, you guys, we will be back next, well, in two weeks from this with, we'll be talking about retirement. So you kind of got a little bit of a taste of how we feel about the situation as we all are kind of coming to the end of that for our husbands as well. Um, So we will be back with someone who has just gone through that and we will have that a lot more information for you guys. But as we like to say, thank you for joining us and rock up buttercup. <laughs>